So the more time we spend sequestered, keeping each other safe by staying at home or donning our face coverings and staying six feet apart, I'm finding my emotions are swinging up and down more and more intensely. We've been talking about this on some of our Zoom meetings. On the downswings, we're grieving what we've lost, what we aren't doing. I'm frustrated at what we still can't do. I'm angry that the economic suffering and physical danger, medical danger facing so many, those are not being aggressively relieved. And I'm even anxious about when, as our governor says, the dimmer switch starts going up on resuming our regular lives. Because our regular lives won't be regular like they used to be for a long time to come. So I'm grieving and we are grieving. And I don't have and we don't have the regular spiritual space where we often bring our grief, that physical space, our church where we're soothed and released into God's arms, our physical gathering together and our sharing and the Lord's Supper around the altar rail. So I'm identifying, and maybe you are too, in a whole new way with the two followers of Jesus in Luke's gospel today, Cleopas and his companion, and they're on their road to Emmaus, and they're sharing their grief over Jesus's death, sharing their grief over life as they've known it not being the same. The gospel says they are talking and discussing uh, scholars of ancient Greek uh, point out that, or the Greek that the Gospels are written in, point out that those verbs uh, describe more specifically that they were examining evidence together. And those terms, the talking and discussing, carry the understanding that the conversation was deeply emotional. Identify with that. Been a lot of conversations and was conversing with a colleague recently, sharing my own grief. And she said, you know, Easter is all of these emotions. Easter is the grief and the hope. And what we're walking now is, as we've said before, a truer Easter where both are held. And in this beautiful story of Emmaus, we've got a stranger joining these two companions. And the stranger, Luke tells us, is Jesus, but they don't see that it's Jesus. Jesus simply asks, what, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And we get a taste of the depth of the pain these two followers, Cleopas and his companion, have. Because the first thing they do in response to Jesus's question is they just stand there, totally still, looking sad. And Cleopas finally speaks up and asks Jesus, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these last days? And just notice how Jesus doesn't at that moment suddenly reveal himself and say, it's me, I'm back, don't be sad, I'm here. He doesn't instantly obliterate their sadness. What he does do is he asks them what things. He asks them to tell him what is in their hearts to share with him their grief and their lament. And ultimately they say that in Jesus's death, their hopes have been dashed. 
We had hoped, they say, that he was the one to redeem Israel. And this is the heart of their pain, the dashed hope, the smashed hope. And this is the heart of their pain that Jesus asked them to share, that Jesus takes on. In a way, it is like us. We know what up to now has been our relationship with Christ and Christianity. We know what tastes we may have had of God's presence, whether there are just a few moments of ah during worship and church, or maybe the delight of lifting our voices in song or the sense of peace when we share the peace, when we hug each other, when we leave church. And all those tastes have helped orient us on our collective spiritual journeys up to now, giving us hopes and expectations also of where we might be headed and what the road ahead might look like. But that road now for us is different and we're disoriented, just like Cleopas and his companion. And they've been disoriented by the news that the women have come back telling them that Jesus's tomb is empty and that they'd seen angels, a little tiny glimmer of something being different. And this point, Jesus, who is in their eyes a stranger, he starts teaching them. He tells them in scripture's world, words, how foolish you are, or how slow of heart to believe what the prophets declared. And a scholar of ancient Greek also points out that this likely is not chastising in the original language, but much more of an endearing, you sweet dummies, how could you miss this? And with great generosity, this apparent stranger launches in to teach them, to interpret scripture for them, to reveal all the things about himself that the prophets declared from Moses on forward. So here we have Jesus in an unrecognizable form, lovingly listening, absorbing, acknowledging their grief and their dashed hopes, and then lovingly teaching them, gently dissolving their hopelessness, placing seeds to dissolve that hopelessness, guiding them, pointing them towards a bigger awareness of who the Messiah really is, of who God is, not just someone physically with them. So when they get to the village, this duo of Jesus's followers invite him to stay and eat with them. And then in that moment when this stranger breaks the bread and blesses it and gives it to them, their eyes are opened and they recognize him. And then Jesus vanishes from their sight. Jesus, ever present with them, walking on the road, and finally, in the ordinariness of eating together, in this flash, Jesus is recognized and revealed as the one who's been there all along. And at this point, once Jesus has vanished, the two look at each other and realize, were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? I think this is a really true depiction of the reality of our spiritual journeys as seekers, individually, with our friends, and in our bigger community. 
And how true a depiction of personal and communal grief of hopes vanishing, and yet a depiction of Jesus's presence with us and God's presence with us, even when we don't recognize it. It's a true depiction of those moments of, aha, I get it, I see. Yet moments that are fleeting. And they have such an impact, though, that we can look back and see God's hand where we could not see it before. Like they said, were not our hearts burning? So our spiritual journeys are multifaceted. We live and walk with the often unrecognizable presence of God and also with those moments of God opening our eyes, those moments when we do see God's grace and God's presence. We live and walk with that and with the reality of despair, walking with this incredible revelation that with Jesus, Jesus hopelessness dissolves, that there is new life. And this is the heart of Easter, the mystery of God's eternal presence, and a presence that can't be taken away by forces of evil, hardship, oppression, worldly conditions, or even death. It's a presence we may not recognize, and it's a presence we don't have to earn by what we do, by how spiritual and prayerful we are, how spiritual and prayerful we may feel. It's a presence God will make known to us, that the resurrected Christ is with us, pointing to a new life and a new relationship with him and God that is different from what we may have known before. So our call today, I think, is to walk with Cleopas and his companion on our own roads to Emmaus, knowing that even we may, at this hard time, not see that Jesus is walking among us, he is. And whether I'm walking through this computer to you over YouTube, whether we're walking on Zoom, walking with our families in the halls of our homes, walking with those we may be serving outside of our homes, God is with us. So yes, this Easter in our, our sadness and in our joy, we can see Christ is risen, Christ is with us. Alleluia. Amen.